today on CityCast Denver. The city's last lesbian bar, Blush and Blue, is being sued by former employees over alleged wage theft and racial discrimination. So what does this mean for the larger queer community when these spaces are so rare? Producer Alexandra McMahon spoke to one of the former employees suing the bar. Today is Thursday, December 2nd, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. So, Alexandra, tell me about this plaintiff you spoke with, Jordan Feltner. Yeah, so Jordan's story with Blush and Blue goes all the way back to when the bar first opened in 2012, and his partner at the time got hired as a bartender. And um, I was still new to the queer scene. Um, I was still identifying as a woman at that time, identifying as a lesbian. My, my partner at the time had been out since she was about 13 years old. Um, so she had this queer community kind of built into our relationship. So I just kind of clung to that. Um, and I clung to, you know, my girlfriend being a bartender. So I would go and hang out, you know, while she was working. So since Jordan was hanging out there all the time and was friends with everyone who worked at Blush, it was an easy decision to make when the owner, Jody Buffard, asked if Jordan wanted to start working the door on the weekends. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? I mean, my partner works there. I'm going to be hanging out there anyway, you know, so I might as well get paid for it. Cool, whatever. You know, they're like, all right, it's, you know, $10 an hour. We'll pay you at the end of the shift. You know, we'll pay you in cash. All you got to do is just check IDs. These are the things you look for. And then that's pretty much how it all started. It sounds like things started out okay, but obviously that changed because now there's this lawsuit. Can you walk me through the claims of that case? Yeah. Okay. So there are three plaintiffs in the lawsuit, all former employees, and some are raising concerns about wage theft, like being underpaid, having tips stolen. And then there are also claims of racial discrimination. Uh, One of the plaintiffs, Jessica Savage, says she was treated differently because of her race. And the lawsuit actually goes into quite a bit of detail of what that looked like. So, for example, Jessica claims that her work performance was more heavily scrutinized than her white colleagues. Um, She also apparently wasn't given the same luxuries as other employees, like getting to work on nights that were super busy or playing her own music during her shift because... Jody, the owner, said she didn't like, quote unquote, urban music. And the suit details other problematic comments that allegedly were made. Like in one instance, Jody told Jessica that she had, quote unquote, jungle fever. Um, and then the suit also claims that if Jessica tried to stand up for herself or call Jody out on these things, the owner would say, quote, you're playing the race card. Oh, yeah, I know. Cringe. Not great. Uh, So can you tell me more, too, about the claims of wage theft? One of the big claims in the lawsuit is that apparently Blush and Blue was not paying minimum wage for some employees. Um, And if that's true, that's that's a big problem. Um, And then with the tips, Blush and Blue typically did a tip pool for servers. But the plaintiffs say that the uh, owner, Jody would take a share of the tip pool, and that is not supposed to happen. Um, and a tip pool a tip pool is like, if you work at a restaurant or a bar, everybody 
working combines their tips on a shift or a day and then it gets distributed evenly among all of the workers. Right, right. So uh, managers and owners are not supposed to participate in tip pools. This is kind of uh, general practice. Um, and then the other thing that really had my eyebrows going up when I was reading this lawsuit was this claim that Jody filed incorrect tax documents for Jordan Feltner, who you heard earlier. Um, apparently, a W-2 was filed that claimed to have paid Jordan way less than he was actually paid that year. So potentially some tax fraud going on here, too. Oh, boy. It sounds like allegedly a pretty awful work environment. Um, but I'm also thinking about the fact that Blush and Blue is one of the last lesbian bars in the country. And that title holds cachet and importance. So what does this all mean for the larger queer community here in Denver? Well, one thing that really struck me as the heart of this issue is that these former employees are calling attention to the vulnerability that comes with these places. Like there's a part in the lawsuit that says uh, Jody, the owner, quote, willfully weaponized the so-called safe space and the family at Blush and Blue to create a culture of obligation where workers were required to accept mistreatment and brazen underpayment as a service to the bar and broader queer community. So, yeah, this is a case of wage theft and racial discrimination, but it's also a case of what happens when power dynamics are at play in a vulnerable, marginalized community. And that's really what I wanted to talk to um, this plaintiff, Jordan Feltner, about. Jordan, I think I just really want to start by acknowledging this really hard fact that you're suing people who were your friends. That's a really tough thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of it's like I've I've kind of been using this analogy um, that it's like going through a breakup. Hmm. I mean, I was in this relationship with this with this space with this with these people, this group of people. I was in a relationship for seven years of my life. You know, like, and it's exactly like like going through a hard breakup like it's it is it's been very rough it's it feels almost like getting a piece of you taken away from you but you're doing it willingly like ripping out your own heart so you've been involved uh in some capacity you know since the beginning i'm wondering did when did things start to change or like when did things start to feel a little bit off there's no real specific like this is the exact moment where i could tell things were not great um you know i i've had the pretty much the same job for the better part of going on 18 years now um so this was just kind of like a side gig for me you know so the fact that the pay wasn't where it was supposed to be. It didn't really matter that much to me because it didn't affect me much because it was just play money. It was fun money, you know, like, I mean, I questioned it. Sure. But the community around me that I built meant so much more to me. Mm. Yeah. And I lost a lot of that community when everything happened. Oh. 
So in the lawsuit, uh, it specifically talks about this, quote unquote, culture of obligation at Blush and Blue. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that looked like? Um, If I was in the bar, not on the clock, on a day off or whatever, um, I would be expected to work for the bar. We kind of made it a joke and, you know, it's not really that funny anymore, but we always said, once you work at Blush, you always work at Blush. Um, you know, we could, we could have people that hadn't worked there in five or six years. If they walked in that bar and you were behind the bar and I said, Hey, I need to go out for a quick smoke break. Can you watch the bar for me? They, they would. Or I'm super slammed right now. Would you mind taking out their trash? Or can you go get me a bucket of ice? Can you go run downstairs and get me, you know, two six packs of beer? And also it's like, oh, well, you work here. Why won't you just do it? You you work here. You know where everything is. You know where the ice machine is. You know where the beer is. You can see that I'm busy. Can you just help me out, please? Like, and I get it. I did it. I did the same thing. Like if I was busy, I'd be like, hey, can you grab me a bucket of ice real quick? Like, you know, I I did the same thing. I, you know, I'm, I'm not innocent of it either. But when but, it's like, culture you know that's just established it's, the, it's, it's easy it's to play culture. into yeah absolutely yeah that was i was gonna ask like what would happen if you did kind of put your foot down and say like no i'm not working here i don't know <laughs> yeah because it just didn't didn't happen very often <laughs> exactly i mean maybe getting my shifts taken i don't know maybe you know getting less than desirable shifts or anything like that i honestly don't know what would happen because i never had to experience the fallout of that because i never put my foot down long enough to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So uh, when this lawsuit was announced, I just sent a tweet out about the news and um, I was surprised my replies to that tweet just started filling up with people in the queer community who were not shocked by the news and said like, this has been a problem for a long time at Blush and Blue, especially for people of color and for trans folks and just not feeling comfortable there. Um, so I'm just curious to like know what your thoughts are. Like, do you agree this has been kind of a, like an open secret in Denver's queer community that Blush and Blue is uh, can be problematic? I believe so. Um, so the other two plaintiffs in the case are, you know, very close friends of mine. And we would often, you know, hang out outside of blush, outside of work hours, you know, we'd get together on our own time. Um, and we would, you know, talk about, you know, our experiences that we've heard from other people, you know, telling us it was problematic and everything. Um, I think the biggest shock was that it was finally happening. Cause I mean, there's plenty of us that experienced it. And, you know, we'll vocalize it to, you know, our friends and their friends and their friends and their friends and their friends. But to, to stand up the way that we're standing up has never been done before. Yeah. This might be a hard question to answer, but what do you think the root problem here is? Like, I'm just wondering, like, do you think it's, um, this is money? 100%. Okay. Tell I, me more about I, that. I think it's money. Um, also status, especially being, you know, an owner of Denver's only lesbian bar. Like that's a status symbol, you know? And honestly, I don't, and this is really hard for me to like comprehend. I don't know if 
she actually realizes what she was doing is wrong. Hmm. Like the way it was justified to us, as far as our pay structure was that she was doing us a favor by paying us the way that she did. And we were supposed to be grateful for that. And as young queers that didn't have a whole lot other than community, and that was the place for community, that's that's kind of what the whole weaponizing the safe space is because any person that I know, most people that I know, um, that has spoken out, they do not frequent blush anymore. And not that they're not necessarily not welcome back by any means, but they actively choose to not go back and perpetuate because they know that it's still happening. What are you hoping people take away from your story, this lawsuit? Like, what what are you hoping people learn from this? I hope that people learn that being Denver's only lesbian bar doesn't give you license um, to treat other people the way that we were treated. Um, it doesn't give you the right to underpay. I mean, we're we're already a marginalized community. And to have that happen within our community from our own community, like, it's not right. We already face, you know, pay discrimination all across the board. And we need to be held accountable. We all need to do better, you know. I'm not saying just Blush and Blue is the only one, you know, doing this. I don't know what the other 17 gay bars in Denver are doing. I don't know how everyone is doing, but I really, really hope that everyone takes away that, like, we need to do better as a community for our own community. We cannot expect the cis heteronormative community to treat us the same way if we can't even do that to ourselves. Because blush is, you know, the the only experience that I have. I want Jody to be held accountable. That's all I want. I just want her to be held accountable. It wasn't all terrible. It wasn't all bad. I mean, I have the address of the bar tattooed on my arm. Oh, really? Yeah, me and Jessica Savage, we got the tattoo of the address, like... I mean, obviously, you're not going to oh, yeah. be able to, like, show it, but, like, oh, 1526, cool. separated by a suicide survivor semicolon. Like, I, I made some of my best friends there, you know? I I, <laughs> I repainted that bar so many times. It was it was home for me. Like, we we had Thanksgivings there. That, that place held so much for us, and we lost it. And, you know, this, this past year and a half, it's, it's more about realizing that we didn't lose the true community that we built. We lost four walls, you know, Yeah. but the real community stayed and like, it's, 
it's like this <laughs> this is not easy this is not fun this isn't we're not we're not trying to get rid of Denver's only lesbian bar we're trying to make it better for all of us because if she can be held accountable and she can make it better because she absolutely can she's the owner she's the one in power she can make it better well Jordan thank you so much for talking to me and sharing your story with us thank you Alexandra reached out to Blush and Blue for an interview with Jody Buffard, and her representative sent us a statement calling the allegations, quote, shocking and untrue. It went on to say, quote, Buffard has never intentionally belittled anyone in the manner described or otherwise, nor withheld rightfully earned pay. This filing is an unfortunate retaliation against Buffard and Blush and Blue for unrelated staffing decisions and does not accurately represent the work environment at Blush and Blue. We'll post the full statement in our show notes, as well as a link to the lawsuit where you can find more details regarding the claims. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Denver lost an important artist and elder of the Chicano community recently, when Miralis Stevan Lucero passed away. As co-founder of Chalk, the Chicano Humanities and Arts Council, Stevan's work transcended his murals as Chalk became not just a gallery, but a vehicle for equity and recognition in a very white art world, a world that often wouldn't show Chicano artists' work at all. Most recently, Stevan's work, a collaboration with Denver poet and artist Molina Speaks, can be seen at Miawolf's Convergence Station. You can step inside Stevan's fluid and colorful dreamscape in his piece, The Indigenous Lounge, where the mirrorless Chicano futurism comes to life. Denver is a richer, more vibrant place thanks to Stevan's work. He will be missed. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye-bye. that you're in a closet right now i i know i always joke with people that podcasting has sent me back into the closet <laughs> <That's really good. laughs>